0: Today we read from the Gospel of Luke. As we read from the Gospel, the tradition is to stand, if you would like to do that in your home. If you would like to read along with me, I will be reading from Luke 24, 36 through 53. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. And he said to them, why are you frightened and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, see that that it is myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while their joy, they were disbelieving and still wondering. And he said to them, have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and he ate in their presence. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses to these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with the power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple blessing God. Let us hear what the Holy Spirit reveals to us on this day. Faith...
1: Living Water, I would invite you to take a moment uh, to pray with me. Let's pray together. O holy God, who can accomplish far more than we could ever think, ask, or even imagine. We come to you on this Ascension Day, marveling at what you have made possible. And we pray, O God, that as the disciples, learned to follow you in the great 50 days, that you would offer us that gift as well. We ask this in Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. I know that over the month of May, many of you have thought about things that were supposed to happen. But for me, I've thought about annual conference annual conference was supposed to meet this week. And for those of you who've never heard about annual conference, it's our statewide gathering for all things Methodist. It's a great gift to those of us like Heather has claimed this about herself. She's a metho nerd. I'm a metho nerd. We really like church things. And so we actually kind of like going to Oklahoma City and being with 600 plus of our closest church friends. And I realize that that's kind of weird and Probably missing that week in Oklahoma City is not a huge loss this year, especially when compared to all of the other losses we are facing right now. Job losses, loss of life, loss of summer plans. Those are very significant losses. And I understand that my, my slight sadness on this Memorial Day weekend when I would have always been packing my clothes and shining my shoes and getting ready for annual conference, that my sadness over that is really a small thing. But it's a thing for me. One of the things that I always look forward to at annual conference is the ordination service. This year would have marked my 23rd anniversary of being ordained to the work of an elder in Christ's holy church. That's how we share that at the ordination service. And so every year at annual conference, I always attend the ordination service because it's, it's an anniversary celebration for me. And so every year, the ordinands will stand in front of the bishop. One of the pictures that you're going to see is of the, ordinands, the class of ordinands standing at the kneeling rail at St. Luke's United Methodist Church in Oklahoma City. And the bishop will ask them questions of examination. And so every year I answer, kind of under my breath, right along with them. When the bishop asks, Do you trust that you are called by God to the life and work of an elder? I answer, I do so trust. And when the bishop asks, Do you believe in the triune God and confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I answer, I do so believe and confess. And it goes on, there are several questions for examination, and at each one, I recommit again to a life of faithfulness in my vocation. After the questions for examination and usually an offering and some special music and a sermon and all of the things that make it church, then each ordinand takes their turn, kneeling before the bishop And he places his hands on your head. And the picture that you will see today is of that happening in our sister annual conference, the Oklahoma Indian Missionary Conference. Bishop Nunn is ordaining elders in their annual conference. And when the bishop places his hand on your head, he says, take authority as an elder in the church to preach the word of God and to administer the holy sacraments. And every person who has kneeled in front of the bishop knows the weight of those hands on your head and the weight of those words, take authority. So today we come to the take authority text in the scriptures. It's known as the ascension, the ascension of Jesus. It's reported both at the end of Luke's gospel, which is the text that Pastor Heather read this morning, but it's also reported in the beginning of the book of Acts. It's an event that culminates the third season of preparation for Jesus' followers. The first season of preparation occurred for three years. It began with Jesus' baptism, and it ended with his crucifixion. The second season of preparation was condensed into three days, the days between the crucifixion and the resurrection. And the third season of preparation lasts for 50 days. From resurrection to the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. The word Pentecost meaning the end of 50 days. In this season, Jesus makes several appearances. We call them post-resurrection appearances. And in each one, it's like Jesus is giving them a crash course in, in discipleship and leadership development. He has this short window to move them from followers, which is how they knew themselves in the first season of preparation and the second season of preparation, to leaders, which is what they will need to be after Pentecost. In each of these appearances, he gives them the tools they're going to need for the days ahead. In our sermon series, The Heart of the Matter, Pastor Heather and I have been Sharing with you each one of these resurrection appearances and noting for you the tool that Jesus gives. For example, in the first resurrection appearance that we talked about, when Jesus came to the disciples and specifically to Peter and asks that all important question Do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? The tool that he gave to Peter and all of the disciples was grace. Friends, as a leader, One must have received grace fully into his or her own life in order to be able to share grace with anyone else. So that's the first tool, grace. And then Jesus comes to the disciples again, particularly because Thomas wasn't with them. And he says, Thomas, put your hand in my side. And there the tool that he gives them is trust. Can they trust? Can they lean in? Maybe to what they cannot see or they do not know, but they know who provides for them, and that is Jesus. And so that's such an important tool for a leader to be able to trust and to know where to place your trust. And then he appears to the two on the road to Emmaus, and the Scripture says, with that their eyes were opened in the breaking of the bread. But even before that Jesus, when they did not recognize him, had been revealing to them about himself throughout all of what they would have known as the scriptures, the stories of of the Old Testament. And there, Jesus gives to them the tool of truth, the ability to know what is true by finding your story in light of the larger story. And then Jesus comes to them as a stranger on the shore when they've spent all night fishing and says to them, why don't you cast your nets on the other side of the boat? And he offers them there the tool of imagination. Can you see it? Can you imagine it? Can it be different? And then he comes to them. In Matthew's gospel with the great commission of telling them where they what comes next where they're to go, and he says to them with the verbs go, make baptize, teach, and remember that they are to have passion. The tool that he gives them is passion, but particularly passion for those who question, passion for those who haven't been taught, passion for those who haven't come yet to know. And today, he comes to them right before he ascends to the Father, and he says to them, I am sending upon you what my Father has promised. And the tool that he gives to them there, friends, is so important. It is the tool of authority. It's really the heart of the matter. Like the disciples during this season, we have been given these same tools, the tools that that we will need to move from followers to leaders. Jesus has been close to us over these days of distance through online worship, through handwritten notes, through curbside visits and drive-by celebrations, through Facebook Live, morning and evening prayers on Wednesday, midweek worship on Tuesday. And now we come to draw this season, which we have known as Tide 2020, we come to draw this season to a close, and we're anticipating that another season awaits. For us, it will be a season of change again. As we try to understand what it will mean to return to our building and yet maintain the online presence that we've discovered flourishes us as a life of the body of Christ as well. And so this morning I would ask us, can we sit for just a moment longer with today's text and learn about this tool that we're going to need now more than ever, the tool of authority so I noticed a few things as I was praying over the text that we learned from this morning from Luke's gospel. And if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to have them out, whether you're looking at them on paper or looking at them on a screen. Turn with me to Luke chapter 24, beginning with verse 36, and notice that the first words that Jesus speaks to his followers as he moves them to leaders, what does he say? He says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. I'm imagining that every time that Jesus appeared to them in these great 50 days, these post-resurrection appearances, that they were surprised. They didn't expect him to show up. And so the very first words that he offers them are the words they most need to hear. And it was a reminder of me to me That no matter where I am in life, when God shows up, God will always offer me the word that I most need in that moment. And for them, it was, peace be with you, in verse 36. And then he asks them a question, which is really a two-part question. If you notice, in verse uh, 38, he says to them, why are you frightened? Question number one. And why do doubts arise in your hearts? question number two. And I was reminded that doubt often comes from fear. I think that would be important for us to sit with for a moment this morning, friends, because often we think from that doubt comes from misunderstanding. Doubt comes from chaos, not being able to see the future clearly, when actually the most painful doubt that we can experience doesn't come from those things. It actually comes from being afraid. So notice what the very first thing is Jesus says to them. Peace be with you. And then he asks them the question, why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? And notice that Jesus doesn't just ask them a question and then leave it there. Then he moves to these actions that are going to ground them in what they most know. The first thing he does is invite them to touch him. I think it's beautiful in verse 39. He says, look at my hands and my feet and see that it is I myself. In other words, get close. All right? See that it is I myself. Touch me and see and he he questions some of their assumptions. They probably were thinking he was a ghost. He says, "For a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. But you're going to have to get close. You're going to have to touch me in order to see that." And when he said this, then he showed them his hands and his feet. He approached them with a posture of availability. He invited that touch. He invited that relationship. He invited that that intimacy. And then, it's beautiful, in all of these resurrection appearances, it seems like there's always food. There's always table fellowship of, of some kind, and, and this one is no different. He said to them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence to remind them, I'm not a ghost. I'm the real thing. And then he rehearses with them the story that they would have heard hundreds, if not thousands of times. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in what they would have known as the scriptures, in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and in the psalms, must be fulfilled. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. They'd been with him for three years and they didn't understand it, but he opened their mind to understand the scriptures. And he explained to them then how he fits in to God's great plan of salvation. He said to them, thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. In other words, it doesn't end with the resurrection. It actually only begins. And so in this, Jesus is grounding them in what they know through touch, through table fellowship, through rehearsing the story. And then notice that Jesus blesses them. It's even a physical act of blessing them before he ascends. He says in verse 49, And see, I am sending upon you. Can you feel the movement of that? I am sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And then he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands. right? That's a very visual symbol of blessing. He blessed them. And while he was blessing them, it was in the act of blessing, friends, and he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. Such a beautiful image of how Jesus is casting their vision even in the blessing. He's casting their vision toward what is to come. So now let us focus in on what he confers as he holds his hand, as he Offers this blessing upon them, what is he leaving with them? What is he conferring upon them? It is authority. I want to note for you a few things about authority that would really uh, merit our attention today. Authority is a tool that can only be received, it cannot be acquired. You might earn respect, but you don't earn authority. In fact, It can only be given to you by someone who has the authority to give it to you. So it has to be received. It cannot be acquired. And it has to be given by someone with more authority than you. And it only has life when you give it to someone else. So if it's given to you, then your authority gains life when you give it to someone else. And our tendency around authority is to want to hold on to it, to protect what is ours, to even try to acquire more, which is crazy because you can't acquire it. It has to be given to you. So I want to encourage us to think about the tool of authority being conferred upon the disciples only gains life when they then give that authority to others. The disciples need this tool, and Jesus knows that they need it as he departs because they need to know that they are acting on his behalf, that as they become the church, that they are doing that on behalf of Jesus' authority, and that as they live out the calling and the purpose that he had already taught them in the three-year season and marvel at what God did in the three-day season They're going to continue to live into this gift of authority as the church breathes life and a new season begins after Pentecost. What a gift Jesus gave to them by giving them authority. So those questions of examination that I answer right along with the ordinance every year, I will tell you that they mean a lot more to me now than they did the first time I answered them. And truthfully, part of the reason I think it's so important for me to go to ordination every single year is because the year that I answered them for myself, I really didn't take it too seriously. In fact, I was pretty flippant in my answers that year. In fact, I thought that at 27 years old, I knew everything. And that the church was going to benefit from all the great knowledge and energy and passion that I would bring to leadership. And it's taken 23 long years to mellow that. And to have God knock off those rough edges. And to appreciate the gifts that authority bestows upon us with humility and not arrogance. And here's what I know at year 23 is that probably by the time I get to year 24, I'm going to understand authority better then than I do right now. And I'll have a lot more humility even then. Friends, those disciples that stood there watching Jesus ascend up into the heaven, they had no idea what Jesus was giving to them. No idea the authority that he was bestowing upon them. But I think we can say in hindsight that it was enough, right? He gave them everything they would need to be the hands and feet of Christ for the world, which is how we refer to the church. So may you receive that very same gift, that very same tool this year on this Ascension Sunday. May you receive the gift of authority. Because the work that God has for us ahead is that work of leading. Leading into a new future. God has done this work of preparing among us during the season that we've called Eastertide. And I have a feeling that I'm going to look back on Eastertide 2020. It will be a season like no other Eastertide ever has been. God has been preparing us for the work that is ahead of us in the season after Pentecost. The last thing that Jesus says to them is it's time to go to Jerusalem, friends. It's time to head on back to the city and what awaits us there. We know what they could not have known on that Ascension Sunday. They could not have known that Jerusalem is where the miracle of Pentecost is going to occur and the church will take her very first breaths on her birthday. Our text from this morning tells us that they return to Jerusalem with great joy. And they don't even know. They don't even know what is waiting for them. May it be so for us. May the joy of the Lord be our strength for all that is waiting for us in the next season. Amen.